he was a revolutionary. Born in 1473, he was a mathematician, astronomer, judge, physician, classical scholar, Christian leader, governor, administrator, military commander, diplomat, and an economist. In 1514, this man published a book, and he would become best known for stating his groundbreaking revolutionary theory known as heliocentrism. Copernicus had the audacity to say that the earth revolves around the sun, not the other way around. The earth is not at the center of the universe. This was revolutionary. In fact, it became known eventually as the Copernican Revolution. It was not until 17th century that Galileo and Kepler developed and popularized the Copernican theory. And they were persecuted and uh, got into all sorts of trouble with that. But eventually, through Isaac Newton's work and others, everyone came to embrace his view of the solar system, which was the sun was at the center, not the earth. He was buried in an unmarked grave beneath the floor of the cathedral in Frombork. Finally, in 2010, his remains were given a hero's burial. His body was identified using DNA analysis of the, his skull, which matched the DNA found in hairs that were tucked in the pages of books that Copernicus had owned. His black granite tombstone is now marked with this heliocentric model, you see, of the solar system featuring a golden sun encircled by the planets. He was a revolutionary. And the thought that he had was that we are not at the center of the universe. And ever since Copernicus stated this, human beings have still been trying to figure that out. I'm not at the center of the universe. It's not about me. And yet, of course, we're very concerned about ourselves, and we should be. Today, I want to talk about your personal revolution. And it will be mind-bending and mind-altering, but it is about not me or you at the center, but Christ at the center. In fact, that's what our whole series in the book of Colossians that the Apostle Paul wrote is about. Christ above all. Christ as the center. Christ supreme above everything. Preeminent above all things. And why should Jesus be at the center of everything? Well, the simplest explanation, the simplest reason is that he and he alone died, was buried, rose again, never to die again. Ruth and I had the privilege of visiting uh, Israel about 10 years ago. And one of the sites, the possible sites of the empty tomb of Jesus, you can see it behind us, by the way, Continue to please pray for Israel um, as we uh, witness the events that are happening there. But 10 years ago, we were in Israel at what one of the sites, the possible burial sites of Jesus. But you can go in the tomb, and here it is. The tomb is empty. 
And it's interesting, um, one author wrote these words about the resurrection of Jesus. He said, those who followed Jesus knew that there had never been anyone like him. They believed that he was the Messiah, that he would overthrow Rome and usher in God's kingdom. But then a twist came. Jesus died. And when this happened, even though he had predicted it, none of his followers said, everything is going according to plan now. None of his followers thought his death was a good thing. His disciples are disheartened, dismayed, disappointed, disillusioned, dispirited, and then suddenly they were not. Okay? After his death, they knew they were finished. Then suddenly, as a matter of historical record, for some reason, this same group of people became convinced that Jesus had been resurrected. And that conviction would change not only their lives, it would change the world. They were motivated to spread this good news at enormous cost to themselves. Now, some people think that we're skeptical about the resurrection because we're modern and we're smart and we have science. But in ancient times, people were gullible and ready to believe anything. The great author C.S. Lewis calls this chronological snobbery. Ancient people were not stupid. They understood dead creatures tend to stay dead. They also knew those executed on a cross by the Roman government always remained dead. A scholar by the name of N.T. Wright notes, quote, there were many Messiah movements in the first century, many people claiming to be Messiah. And in every case, the would-be Messiah got crucified by Rome just as Jesus did. In not one single case do we hear the slightest mention of the disappointed followers claiming their hero had been raised from the dead. They knew better. But in Jesus' case, it was different. They were utterly convinced that he had been raised from the dead. At this point in the story, the disciples should have been absolute toast. But they weren't. What happened? Jesus had been raised from the dead. The tomb was empty. He appeared to over 500 people during a 40-day period. The impossible had happened. They weren't expecting it at all, but it happened anyway. And their lives were transformed forever. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And it's not just a revolution for God or for the gospel or for the kingdom. It is a revolution for you personally and for me. Today I want to talk about your personal revolution and it's connected to the resurrection of Jesus. One uh, dictionary defines revolution these ways. It is a radical or revolution is a radical or significant change. A complete overthrow or transformation. A revolution is a fundamental shift or turning point leading to a new way of living. Or a revolution is an uprising or revolt against the present circumstances. The resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate revolution. It is the ultimate uprising, if you will. It is a revolt against the power of death. It is the revolt against the status quo. It is a revolution by the defeat of the enemies of sin and death. 
The resurrection of Jesus calls you and I to rebel against the status quo, our world's view of everything. He calls you and me to rise up to a new life, a better life, a life of purpose and power and an eternal life. So I want to talk to you today about your personal revolution. The resurrection of Jesus answers one of the biggest questions that deep down every single person here listening today thinks about in our moments of reflection. Simply, what should I do with my life? What should I do with the rest of my time on earth? Where do I go from here? And how would I go about finding that direction? We often ask this question when we come to the great crossroads in our lives. The big question is, what should I do with my life? And today I want to answer that question. What should I do with my life? To get there, we start with God. We actually start with the resurrection of Jesus. The Colossians had heard all sorts of competing ideas out there with what we should do with our lives. And just to review, just like us, they experience these pressures or invitations to pursue a different path other than Jesus. So check it out. There were competing ideologies all over the place just then and now. There were cultural pressures to conform, to be tempted, to say this is the way uh, to what to do with the rest of your life. There were tempting pathways. There were uh, alluring alternatives, spiritualities that were out there. And there was corrupted faith. There was false teachers saying, no, this is a better way. And we spent the last couple of weeks talking about being careful about not pursuing those paths, right? Uh, about not uh, conforming ourselves to those sorts of ideas. But those were essentially warnings against those paths. Let's open up today to the positive side of this, and that is, where do we go from here? And here's what he says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. So, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also will appear with him in glory. If you are a believer in Jesus, the truth is he was raised, but you also have been raised with Christ. Your life is different. I want to give you the first principle for today of, of your own personal revolution to believe and to act on these things. First, your union with Christ starts your personal revelation. Because when Jesus was di died and was raised, it says you have been raised with Christ. You died with Christ. We'll get to that later. You've been raised with Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection are not just historical events to us. They are personal events for me and for you. With Christ, we are united with him. What happened to Jesus happens to us. It's you get connected with him. It's like a backstage pass with the star of the show. You get to go wherever the star goes. Now, very recently uh, in the news, we've had this uh, uh, you know, mega uh, musical superstar, Taylor Swift, connected with this football player, Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. She 
and they are dating. She came to one of the games at Arrowhead. She's been now coming to several of the games. And this has completely transformed uh, uh, Travis Kelsey. The jersey sales are over the roof. His Instagram followers are just amazing. It's called the Swifty Effect. Her, the followers of, Tra uh, of uh, Taylor Swift, Swifties, um, I, I, and now he's attached with her life. And suddenly all of his popularity and all of the likes and all the social media and all everything is all attached to him. We'll see how this ends, okay? But for now, there's a lot that his life is now attached with hers and he is benefiting at least in popularity and probably financially from this, his connection to, to Taylor Swift. So if that happens to an individual by a connection to a mere human being, what happens when you and I get attached in our life, united with Jesus, raised with Jesus Christ, God himself in human flesh? What happens when you get connected with him? It's radically transforming. It is your personal revolution. I want to share with you that it's not so much, when we talk about the Christian faith, or when you come to faith in Jesus, it's not so much that you invite Jesus into your life, but rather that Jesus invites you into his life, you get that? Now you are invited into the life of Jesus Christ. This means since we have been raised with Christ, death no longer has the final word on our lives. Even if we die physically, we will live eternally with Christ. Our spirits, our souls are immediately in the presence of God when we die. And on the final day when Jesus returns, we will receive a glorified physical resurrection body that will never wear out, never perish, nor decay. But Paul the Apostle did not say that we will be raised with Christ. He says if you've, if you've been raised with Christ, not will be, but you have been. He says, guys, if you've been raised with Christ, and you have, you might even translate since you've been raised with Christ, because that's really a talking about accomplished fact here. Um, he says, then it changes your life now. Not someday, but right now. You've been raised with Christ. It's not a future event, it's already happened. He says, if that's true, there's something for today and for tomorrow at your workplace and your, in your school, in your neighborhood, wherever you go, it transforms you. It's a personal revolution. So that's the first thing. Go on. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So the second principle I want to give to you, your personal revolution is elevate your daily pursuits above the ordinary. You're not the same person you used to be. Neither am I if you've come to Christ. He literally, it's keep seeking the things above. This is your new pattern for your life. Don't get trapped, bogged down with down here. Don't live your life in an earthbound way. You might say it a different way. Defy gravity. Don't allow this world, these perspectives, our culture to keep you trapped in the ordinary. Set your sights higher than that. You're going to have to guard this a little bit because there's all sorts of other people saying this is how you should live your life from now on. But you've got to revolt against that and say, no, I'm not going to keep my eyes down here. I'm going to seek the things above. Uh, the average person is just not looking for that. I mean, most people, uh, you know, apart from Jesus, it's kind of a zombie apocalypse, right? Sort of alive, 
but not spiritually alive, right? There, there's just walking around, living life apart from God. You, God has something better for you. Aim higher. Don't settle. Read it. You've been raised with Christ now. Seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, this is important. So seated. Why does he say Jesus has been seated at the right hand of God? Well, the priests in, in, the, in the first century and the centuries before that uh, in the temple, you know, they're giving sacrifices. And there's, there's, they're offering sacrifices, but there's no chairs, there's no seat at the temple because the sacrifices continually have to be offered again and again and again and again. You can never sit down because you have to keep doing things. The priest's job wasn't done. But when Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins, he then sat down, ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God. It's like the sacrifice is completed. And now he sits there, equal, co-equal to his father in his reign over the kingdom of God. That's what this is saying. And he's saying that you are to, to transform your pursuits, not to the here and now only, but to set your sights uh, on Jesus and the things that he pursues. Aim higher in your life. Don't settle. In other words, my and your everyday aspirations are a series of choices that we make. And so he's saying, don't settle for, you know, podunk when you can have glorious. Don't settle for, you know, some nowheresville when you can embrace uh, the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ. Keep seeking the things above. The, these spiritual values that Jesus embodied, like patience and kindness and wisdom and forgiveness and purity and humility and servanthood and goodness and love, those are the things you seek. The kingdom of God, the advancement of Jesus' kingdom is top priority for you now. Not just obviously in your personal life, but also as you look around the world. It's the kingdom of Jesus that brings awakening. Let's not get trapped in thinking only in earthbound ways, he says. He's, Jesus is not lost in space today. He didn't ascend and just you know, go somewhere we don't know where he is. No, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. What, Paul, what the Apostle Paul is saying to the Colossians is, and to us is, hitch your wagon to the rising star, the invincible, powerful, reigning champion of the universe. That's where you want to pursue. That's where you want your mind to go. That's what you want your daily pursuits, that they are completely immersed in the things of Jesus. Everything you do, how you raise your family, how you spend your money, choices that you make, um, priorities that you set. This is a revolution because now you're about the kingdom, this eternal kingdom of Jesus. So keep going. He says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Here's the third principle. Don't get preoccupied with down here. Instead, lift your mind to higher realities. Lift your mind to higher realities. Doesn't mean you don't think about what's going on. It means that now your view is not bound by those things. You have a new world that you've entered into. It's like putting on a new pair of glasses and suddenly everything is in living color in ways that you haven't seen them before. The message paraphrases this way. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up 
and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Don't get preoccupied with down here. Because honestly, guys, there are no ultimate answers here. I mean, there's good stuff, you know? But ultimately, it's what God's doing. We're not going to fix the issues in your life by earthbound solutions. We're not going to fix the problems of this earth with earthbound solutions. We need a Savior. We need a Redeemer. And He's come. And He's got answers for us. But we need to be aware of Him and not just get locked in on human-bound, earthbound solutions. If you really want to have the kind of the epitome of like earthbound solutions, I got a place to send you. It's called O'Hare International Airport. It's absolutely one of my least favorite spots on earth. Check it out. So there's always construction at at O'Hare. It's always super crowded, you know, people everywhere, you know, and, and nobody's happy, but they're fixing problems for us. So they said, we're going to make it all better for you. And so we're going to make it better for you by building this underground thoroughfare. Have you ever been to the underground thoroughfare at O'Hare? Check it out. It's like some kind of, wow, it's just weird. I'm not sure. Look at it. I mean, it's some kind of trippy journey that you take underground at O'Hare. And I think it's supposed to kind of, I don't know, make you feel better or something. It doesn't do that for me. Maybe you love it, okay? But to me, it's just like, wow, who thought of this? And by the way, one article, funny kind of satire article said, um, uh, O'Hare International Airport introduces a new 950-mile pathway to Fort Worth, okay? Um, it just seems like you're down there forever. I don't want to live there. And, and, and what we're saying here is, guys, that's the best the Earth has to offer is O'Hare's underground trippy pathway. Nope. We instead lift our sights above. We don't get earthbound. By adding, by God adding this new dimension to our lives that most people never even think about, and that is the kingdom of Jesus, we now can have a personal revolution. And here's what I want to tell you. People who lead revolutions and uprising are always thinking about stuff that nobody else is thinking about. They're, they're thinking of something eternal or different or change, you know, some kind of change that needs to happen. Think of all the people who make a difference in life. They, they could settle for just focusing on their day-to-day existence, and they could do a good job with that. But they're not limited to that. No, that's not where their minds spend all their time. They think about things beyond that, things above. And that's the secret of these world changers. That's the secret of those who have this personal revolution. They've discovered this things above, not earthly things. And that's the secret of their joy and their power and their courage and all their hope. I was reading an author the other day, and he was talking about a, uh, it happens to be another airport story. Um, And he writes, not long ago, I boarded an airport shuttle bus to get to the rental car lot. Driving a shuttle bus is usually a thankless job, for the driver is often regarded as the lowest person on the org chart. People on the bus are often grumpy from travel and in a hurry to get to their car. No one says much except the name of their rental car company, but not on this bus. He says the man who drove 
Our boss was an absolute delight. He was scanning the curbside, looking for anybody who needed a ride. You know, he told us, I'm always looking for, uh, because sometimes people are running late. You can tell it in their eyes. I'm always looking because I never want to miss one of them. Hey, there's another one. The driver pulled up to pick up a latecomer, and he was so excited about what he was doing, we got excited. We were actually cheering him on when he was picking people up. It was like watching Jesus drive a shuttle bus. The man would grab people's luggage before they could lift it. Then he would jump back on the bus and say, well, we're off. And I know you're all eager to get there just as quickly as possible. So I'm going to get you there just as soon as I can. Jaded commuters put down their papers and their cell phones. He created such a little community of joy on that bus that people wanted to ride around in the terminal a second time just to hang out with a guy. He would say to people who got on after us, watch this guy. He wasn't just our shuttle bus driver. He was our leader. He was our friend. And he, he, for a few moments, community actually flourished on a shuttle bus at an airport for a rental car company. And one person moved toward the best version of himself. He had had a revolution and I've seen it. And many times you find out, I wonder, and you find out, yep, follower of Jesus. Follower of Jesus who's had a personal revolution is not to content to keep this, their faith on the sidelines of their life, but they brought that into everything that they do. They're seeking the things above, not the things that are on the earth. Not on earthly things. There's, we, we have to defy gravity here, guys. We, we don't focus in, on our problems and make that the center of everything and become Eeyores. Oh, poor me. Whatever. Okay. Or our pursuits. Um, we, we don't allow pride and greed and ambition and selfishness to take over. We don't allow our, our pleasures to go out of control where we trade long-term character for some short-term pleasure. Instead, we say, I'm setting my mind on things above a new mindset, a new outlook, a bigger picture. Basically, what, what God is saying to me and to you is this. You need to get outside more. You need to look above. You need to see a bigger perspective. Don't get trapped inside of your, the little world that the world creates. God has this big, bold world, and there's suffering and there's difficulty in it, but he has a new bold world for you to enter. It's a personal revolution. Doesn't mean we become some kind of weird gurus walking barefoot most of the time, growing big calluses on our feet, eating very little, getting frail, and having some odd diet that gives us bad breath. What is that going to make you? I'll tell you. Super calloused, fragile mystics plagued with halitosis. No, this is very practical. It's understanding. There are going to be conflicting values at your workplace. But we've been raised with Christ. You can't look at the situations the same way you used to. Everything is different to us. We see people made in the image and likeness of God Almighty, and we are loving them. We're kind to them. Even we love our enemies. That's how revolutionary this is. We're different because we've been raised with Christ. We got a new life. Somebody said this, you just got to ignite the light and let it shine because you're on the night like the 4th of July. Come on, baby, you're a firework. Come on, show them what you're worth. Make them go, oh, 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 as you shoot across the sky. I, I, yeah. It transforms everything. Your relationship at work, your situation with your family, 
the worries that you have, the issue that is dominating your mind, the struggle in your heart, the habit that is overtaking your life, the decision that you need to make, all of it gets transformed. When you begin to understand you've been raised with Christ, you're seeking the things above now, and you're not bound to earthly thinking and living. You've been liberated. You have a rebellion against the status quo. You're not going to live that way anymore because you've had a personal revolution. And looking above could change the entire course of your life. And why do we do it? Verse 3, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The reason you do it is because you died. And now you have a whole new life hidden with Christ. Here's the principle. Embrace your true security and your true identity. You died. When you came to Christ, you died. You died with Christ. Just as we learned a few weeks ago that on the cross, Jesus nailed the certificate of debt that accused you and shamed you and guilted you. It's been crucified with Christ. That debt has been canceled through the death of Jesus Christ. And that way of life, trapped and dominated by sin, is over. You died with Jesus. Old life nailed to the cross. Sin gone, guilt gone, shame gone. So we don't hang on to our past. We are liberated. We move on to a better reality. Why hang on to the old way of life? You know, Geico has those incredible commercials, you know, and, and you want to watch them even, you know, no matter what, whether you care about their insurance or not, but you want to watch them. And they had one uh, just recently here where um, the, the couple is sitting down and eventually going to talk about Geico insurance, but the couple is sitting down and, and they're in front of the camera and you have the, they said, we have this new house and we love our new house, but we got a problem and it's with ants and it's not A-N-T-S, it's Aunt Bonnie and Aunt Clarissa and so forth. And here's what they say. Check it out. Just slouching again, Ted. Expired. 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 Thanks, Aunt Bonnie. Yeah. Expired. Expired. You reached the refrigerator. Ever have anybody do that to you? <laughs> you know? Expired. Expired. And what I'm telling you is this is a real deal. Expired. So I, I got inspired by this commercial, actually. So I went and started going through my, my desk at, at work. And I came across this. Some Slim Jims, right? I wonder if these are still good. Best by April 19th, 2017. Hmm. Are those still okay to eat? <laughs> Maybe not. Okay, check this one out. Uh, I also had some Wheat Thins, okay, in my desk. Uh, and the expiration date is the 3rd of August, 2018. Um, some of you are learning all sorts of new things about me today. Um, I still have those things, by the way. Uh, we have a hard time sometimes letting go of stuff. We have a hard time just tossing it and saying, expired, expired, expired. But I'm telling you, your old life of sin and shame and guilt expired at the cross. Done, over with, expired. When we come to Christ, we say, expired, goodbye to sin. It goes in the trash. Farewell. We're breaking up with sin. 
And in the words of the theologian Taylor Swift, and we are never, ever, ever getting back together. No, we're not coming back to, with sin. My life is new now. It's hidden with Christ in God. I have a new life. It's all attached to Jesus. I'm hidden. My life is now hidden in Jesus. It belongs to him. You know, I got thinking this week about Jesus. He raised Lazarus from the dead, you know? You read about this in John's Gospel. And there's a plot to kill him uh, after Jesus had been raised. I was like, how many times can you kill the guy? Um, but I wonder what Lazarus thought after he had been raised from the dead. Did he think the second time around at life looked differently? Because he had gone through physical death. Now he, his resurrection was not the same as Jesus because he would eventually die again, unlike Jesus. But I think he probably had a transformation. He didn't look at life the same any longer because he had died and then he'd been raised. This world was too small for Lazarus. And I think it probably changed his perspective. And he looked up now. There was a different matter to everything. And Jesus was everything to him because he'd given him a second life. In your life, if you've died and you've been raised with Christ, first thing, what needs to get tossed out? What's expired? Expired, Aunt Bonnie. What is long past its expiration date that you are still holding on to? It might be shame and guilt. It might be a habit that needs to go. And you're going to seek now with the power of Jesus to say, okay, that's expired. Maybe God's going to speak to you about something specific. I don't know what that might be, but you do. And it's not just throwing out the old, it's embracing the new. He says, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. My new life now is all, if you will, wrapped up in Jesus. That's what it's really saying. Christ is the preoccupation, the priority one of my life. My life is now wrapped up in Jesus, which means he's my security. People talk sometimes about, you know, we got to hold on to Jesus. And that is absolutely true, of course. But the fact is, our ultimate security is not how strong our grip is, on him, but how strong his grip is on us. I, I got grandkids, and if I'm taking them across the street, their security does not depend on how strong their grip is on me. Because I guarantee you, my grip on them is going to be unbelievably strong. I am never going to allow them to get loose if they're in danger, right? Well, apply that to Jesus. He's hanging on to you. He's, your life is now all wrapped up in him. He says, I'll see you to the end. I will enable you to persevere through whatever you face. And those who are my sheep, I will hold in my hand and no one can pluck them out of my hand. So there's a real security here. And then there's a new identity. My life is not about me anymore. My life is now attached to this one I'm united to, Jesus. It's all wrapped up in Jesus, hidden in Jesus. Others can't see it. Others can't even understand it. And they may still think I'm just like everybody else or that I was who I used to be, but I'm not. We know we're different now. I've had a reset, a start over in my life. Now I want to give you the six next words of Colossians chapter 3. And they are big game changers. They are the cause of your personal revolution and uprising. And some of the most important words you will ever hear. Here it is, verse 4. When Christ... Who is your life? Question. We asked at the beginning, what should I do with my life? Jesus' answer, 
I am your life. Here's the principle. Your personal revolution begins when you fully realize that Christ is not a factor in your life. Christ is your life. He's not a component, a part, uh, a, a contributing factor, an influence. Everything about you is in Christ now. What does that mean? When you ask, what should I do with my life? The answer is, Christ is your life. That's all you got. But that's enough. Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, is enough. He's your life. What should I do with my life? Christ is your life. The main need of my life and yours is not to figure out our future, but to focus on Jesus Christ. If you try to figure out your future and you don't focus on Christ, you'll miss what God has for you. But if you focus on Christ, he'll help you to figure out your future. He leads you into your future. He empowers you into your future. And all the priorities of your future will revolve around him. We get fixated on the plan and God wants us fixated on the person of Jesus. That's what we're saying. And then verse four, when Christ, who is your life, appears, looking forward to his glorious second coming, he says, then you will also will appear with him in glory. He said, and never, ever forget the future. Here's the principle. Keep your eyes on the prize. God's got something better for you. He does in this life and eternity. Jesus is risen from the dead. You died with him, you raised with him. And Jesus is coming back for you and for me. And when he comes back, it will be the greatest day. And it will be your greatest day. Dead or alive, it makes no difference. Now appearing in concert with Jesus Christ, you. Ask any person who's ever led a revolution, an uprising. It's all about I on the prize. It's all about where is this all leading? It's all about how does this all end? And they could see in their eye, their mind, a better reality out there. And believers in Jesus have the ultimate better reality, and that's Jesus Christ returning and living in a new heavens and a new earth. Not just with our sins forgiven, not with our shame and guilt taken away, but that the world that is such a glorious, terrible mess is transformed. And he, he makes the mess of this world into a glorious new reality. So that means you don't let the momentary setbacks overcome you. You don't let the troubles overtake you. You don't get tangled up in stuff that messes you up and ruins your life and holds you back. You say no to that and I will start a personal revolution. Jesus did it when he died and when he was raised again. The whole key to all of this that I've been sharing that unlocks a personal revolution, a personal uprising in your life is the first few words of our passage today. And that is, if, since or if you have been raised with Christ. And the question is, have you been raised with Christ? If you answer, I'm not sure, then let me tell you, you are either dead in sin or you're raised with Christ. There's no other alternative. You're dead in sin or you're raised with Christ. So today, you can come to personal faith in Jesus. You can say, wow, my life is just messed up and I've got all these other things. I recognize my own sin, my own shortcomings. We admit those to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. And he, you put your hope in him and his finished work on the cross for you and his glorious resurrection. He will 
forgive your sins this very day, put away your shame and guilt, nail it to the cross, Holy Spirit will come within you to live forever and you'll have a brand new life and your life will now be hidden with Christ. Your life will all be wrapped up in Jesus. The security and identity of your life is Jesus. He is your life. You're raised with Christ. You die to the old way. You're raised with Christ to a new way. That can happen for you today. So maybe somebody who's watching, listening, you're not sure. Today is the day when you say, I'm, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. You can do that today, right now. And for those of us who have taken that step of faith, if you've trusted in Christ, this message is telling me and you, your life is not defined by your circumstances, your success, your setbacks, your ambitions, your failures. It's not defined by that. Instead, there's a personal revolution that God has done through Jesus in you. You died with him, you're raised with him, He's coming back and there's glory to come. That's what it's all about. This is not about your situation and circumstances in life. It's about having a personal revolution through Jesus Christ. And in just in case you thought that this was about, you know, you could only have this perspective if you had good circumstances, just remember who wrote it from where. The Apostle Paul wrote this from a prison cell. Father in heaven, thank you for the, your glorious scriptures. They give us such a hope, such a different way of looking at our lives. And I pray, oh God, that you would just stir in us a heart of revolutionary thinking to not be contented by just walking along, doing life as normal but rather to say, I want to do my ordinary life with an extraordinary perspective, with an extraordinary faith and trusting in Jesus who died and rose for me, that I have died with him and I've been raised again. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.